Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. We're so glad to have everybody here. We began a series, I began a series a few weeks ago, uh, talking about the lifestyle of faith. And we begin in these two verses, Hebrews 10, verse 35 and verse 36. Hebrews 10, 35 says, Cast not therefore away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. And so we talked a little bit about what this word confidence means. This word confidence uh, means this. It's the Greek word parousia, and it's talking about having a bold confession. And we talked about how you need to have a bold confession of Jesus. You need to have a bold confession of faith, and you need to have a bold confession of the Word of God. Amen? But he went on, and he says this in verse 35, in verse 36, For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And this word for patience in the Greek is the word hupomone, and it means this. It means to be consistent. It means to have perseverance. It means to have endurance. It means to uh, be consistent in your faith, in, even in the face of the most difficult trial. Praise God. You need to be consistent. Hallelujah. And I recently had a good friend who's in the ministry. I was telling him about some of the difficulties and challenge that we had faced. And he said, listen, Lawson, you and Barbara are two of the most consistent people that I've ever seen. And he actually told me that this word for patience is different than other places in the New Testament in the Greek. And it's talking about being consistent. So we talked about how we need to be consistent in not only our confession of Jesus, our confession of faith, our confession of the Word of God, but we need to be consistent in our lifestyle of faith. And we talked about a couple of people. We talked about Joseph and we talked about Abraham. And Abraham really had 50 years of faith in God. God gave him the promise when he was 75. He believed in the Lord of the promise when he was 83. He identified with the promise when he was 99. It's really important that you identify with the promise, that you identify with who God says you are and what God says you have, that God says that you're blessed, that God says that you're righteous, that God says that you're healed, that God says that you have peace, that God says that you're free. You need to identify with that. Don't identify with sin, identify with righteousness. Don't identify with poverty, identify with provision. Don't identify with sickness, identify with health. Praise God, identify with the promise. And notice, Abraham received the promise just a year later when he was 100 years old. But that wasn't the end of the story. Actually, when he was about 125 years old, God told him to take Isaac. Isaac represented everything that he had believed for for years and years and go offer him on a mountain that he said. And when he did that, the Bible actually says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse about 17, that God confirmed that promise by an oath saying, blessing, I will bless you, multiplying, I will multiply you. That because of two unchangeable things in, in that number one, God, it's impossible for God to lie. And number two, amen? He keep, number one, it's impossible for lie. And number two, he swear by himself, praise God, that he's going to keep his word. And he says that enters into that beyond, the, that goes beyond the veil. What he's saying is Jesus the one, is the one who actually secured this promise for us. And when, when we just keep believing God, we enter into the finished work of Jesus. Amen? We just sang about it. You said it. I believe it. You said it. It is done. 
It is finished. Beautiful words. You need to see that work is done. Praise God. So we talked about having not only a bold confession of faith, a bold confession of Jesus, a bold confession of the Word, but a consistent lifestyle of faith where you just keep living and acting by faith. Today I'm going to talk about another area. Jump back up here in Hebrews 10. Look at verse 32 to verse 34. He says, Call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Anybody ever notice that? You, all of a sudden you start believing God for health and you start fighting affliction or you start believing God for finances and you start fighting challenges. You know that when you're not believing God for anything, you're not really a challenge to the devil. But when you start believing God for things, you present a challenge. Amen? Because then you're going to do damage to his kingdom. And so he says, immediately when you were illuminated, you endured this great fight of afflictions. He says, partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of those who were so used. He said, people look at you and say, is this really going to happen? Amen? Do you ever have people look at you and say, I wonder if this faith deal is real. I wonder if they're really going to receive what they're believing for. He goes on and says this, for you had compassion on me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing that in yourselves you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. What he's saying here is even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of challenge, you continue to give. So I'm going to talk today about being, con being consistent in giving and receiving. I believe good things happen to people who are consistent in giving and receiving, in sowing and reaping. Hallelujah. Do you know what? Great harvests take time. Amen? And if you're going to have a great harvest, you've got to sow a great seed. And who is the biggest sower? God is the biggest sower, and he sowed the biggest seed. Hallelujah. Let's look at this as we read on down. Look at verse 37 to 39. For yet a little while, and he will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. I still believe Jesus is coming again. And you know, the Bible says that if we don't believe that, that you know, if we don't have that hope, we as believers are of all people most miserable. He says he's going to come and not tarry. The just is going to live by faith. But don't draw back. Don't pull back. He's telling us that, right? All through the book of Hebrews, don't drift away from Jesus. Don't drift away from your confession of faith. Amen? Don't move away from what you're believing for. He, he's really keeps sowing that seed. Now, look at verse 39. He says, we are not of those who draw back unto perdition or unto judgment, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. Hallelujah. In other words, we're not going backwards in our faith. We're staying connected to Jesus. We're staying connected to the vine. We're believing to the saving of the soul. How many of you know your spirit was saved when you were born again? Your soul is being saved as you renew your mind in the Word of God. And we trust that our body's going to be saved when Jesus comes again. That's salvation past, present, and future. Amen? And the Bible talks about all those different aspects of salvation. But when we look at this, one area he's talking about, he's just talking about being consistent in giving and receiving, and he's saying, listen, God sowed the biggest seed in Jesus. 
Hallelujah. You know, uh, John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus was speaking about his death. And in John uh, 12, 24, Jesus said this, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it remains alone. But he says, if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Jesus is actually talking about how he has to die. And when he dies, he's going to bring forth a harvest. God is the biggest sower. He sowed the biggest seed. The biggest seed is Jesus. Amen. It's the greatest harvest, the harvest of humanity. And God is waiting for that harvest. Big harvest. The greater the harvest, sometimes the greater the time it takes, the greater the seed that's sowed, the greater the harvest you receive. Now, let's look at this. In James chapter 5, James chapter 5 actually talks about this, talks about how the Lord has sowed a seed in Jesus. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, and he has long patience for it. James chapter 5, verse 7, verse 8. Be patient, therefore, brethren, to the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, it's like the farmer, he waits for the precious fruit of the earth. God is our father, but he's also a farmer. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. My father is the husbandman. He's the, he's the garden keeper. He's taking care of his garden. But he says, the husbandman waits, the, God the father waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. What is the early rain? The early rain brings up the seed. The latter rain brings this, the, the, the fruit, brings the harvest. When I grew up in the country, you know, we used to farm in southeastern Colorado. We farmed dry land wheat. We also had some irrigated alfalfa and wheat. But with irrigated wheat, we would sow winter wheat, and we would plant that in about September. And we would irrigate it up, and it would look just like little green grass out there, you know, just covering the earth. But then in the spring, in about April, it would start to spring up and get about, you know, five, six inches high, eight or nine inches high. But about April, we would just pour the water to it, and we would irrigate it. And you know what? Year after year, we got 100 bushel wheat on our irrigated ground. That's, we would sow one bushel per acre, get 100 bushel. That's called a hundredfold return. Hallelujah. A hundred times what we planted. But the early rain brought the seed up. You got to have both. You got to get the seed up. But the latter rain brought the, the seed in the harvest. And he said, God has great patience, right, for the early and, and the latter rain. The early rain brought the seed up, but the latter rain's bringing the precious harvest. There is a precious harvest of the earth in the last days. And we're part of the last day harvest of the earth. And he says this, be patient, establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Joel says this, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision before that notable day of the Lord shall come. There is a great harvest, and I believe we're part of it, and I believe we're going to reap part of it. Hallelujah, but it takes time. God's been waiting a long time. He sowed the greatest seed. He's going to get the greatest harvest. So great harvests take time. And, and the bigger harvest, right, generally the bigger the seed, the bigger the harvest. Don't criticize someone else's harvest unless you've seen their seed. So thank God there is a precious seed, a precious fruit of the earth, and the Lord is waiting for it. The same thing is this. 
Don't faint before your harvest. You know what? A lot of people faint before their harvest. A lot of people say, well, I tried that giving stuff and it didn't work for me. Or I tried that faith stuff and that didn't work for me. Well, listen, it worked for me. So don't, don't shout me down because you can't talk me out of it. Amen? You can't talk me out of what the Bible promises. You can't talk me out of believing God for healing. You can't talk me out of believing God for finances and provision and blessing. It's working in my life. So listen, don't come bother me with all your doubt and unbelief. Amen? Because I believe it, and it's working. You said it. I believe it. You said it. It is done. Amen? It's already been done. Hallelujah. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus cried out on the cross three beautiful words. It's finished. It's already been paid for, and I'm going to believe until I receive. And I just keep believing, and I keep receiving, and I keep asking, and I keep receiving, and I keep seeking, and I keep binding, and I keep knocking, and doors keep being opened unto me. Hallelujah. So I keep believing it. I'm not going to quit believing it. But don't, don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't faint before your harvest. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Let's look at Galatians chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse 6. Paul's writing here to verse 10. He says, let him who is taught in the word communicate unto him who teaches in all good things. So he says, keep giving. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Don't be deceived. God's not mad. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you don't like your harvest, change the seed you've been sowing. For he who sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption or death. But he who sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. He says, listen, don't be weary. A lot of times people look at this with a negative context, but he's actually using it in a positive context. And he begins in verse 6 like, listen, keep giving, keep sowing. You started out, but don't quit this. And then he says, don't be weary because you're going to reap if you don't faint. And finally, he says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's be good to everybody. God is good to all. His tender mercies are over all of his works. Whether you realize it or don't, God's been good to you. You need to realize it. Hallelujah. But you know what? You need to keep believing in the goodness of God, and you need to keep sowing. He's talking, you're going to reap if you don't faint. I believe a lot of people faint before their harvest. A lot of people start out, but they just don't stay at it. Now, you know, I started out really young, giving and receiving. I remember when I was four years old, we went to Sunday school one day. We lived about 10 or 12 miles out in the country, about 11 actually. And my father gave me two nickels. Praise God. And uh, he, he gave them to me to put in the, sun, in the offering. And so I wanted, you know, to, to get a, some bubble gum. So I put one nickel in the offering, and I kept one nickel back. Praise God. And then as we were going out of town that day, there was a store that was kind of on the side of town. Actually, my cousin Doug was here. He said, that was Mickey's Grocery. It was right across the street from the A&W root beer that Doug's parents had. <laughs> so he remembered. And he said, the other store. And so when we were coming up, I said, Daddy, let's stop. Let's, let's get some bubble gum. He said, I, son, I don't have money for bubble gum. So we kept driving. We got out of the country. And there's a country store out 
eight miles. So about a mile before we got to that, I said, Daddy, let's stop. Let's go and get some bubble. He said, I don't have money. for. Then it dawned on his mind. He said, son, he said, he said, did you take one of them nickels I gave you to put in Sunday school and keep it? I said, yes, sir, Daddy. I, back in those days, you could get a, a pop for $5, for five cents, not $5 like they are now. <laughs> I went somewhere, somebody ate the other day, they were charging $6 for an iced tea. I said, I could pass on that. That's just ridiculous. Iced tea probably cost them 10 cents or less and then charging $6. I said, I'll pass on that. Anyway, praise God, if you drink $6 iced tea, that's okay with me, but I'll spend my money somewhere else. Hallelujah. One of my mentors, he said, pops to, he said water is to drink and pops to sell. And so uh, I only buy pop when it's cheap. But I watch it because I might get too much. Praise God. But, but generally, when I go to the restaurant, I drink water. Once in a while, I get a drink. Once in a while, I split a drink with Barbara. Amen? Somebody gave Barbara a gift card to buy drinks when we were Because <laughs> I said something. I got to watch what I say. I told everybody I don't like Panera. So everybody gave Barbara all these Panera bread gift cards. Like, Jesus, what is done? Pay two prices to feel like your throat's been slit. <laughs> Belly's still hungry. Glory to God. I grew up on the farm. I get up and exercise like a horse every morning, then I eat like it later in the day. So anyway, Panera sometimes doesn't quite cut it for me. But anyway, that's, that's all. Okay. Uh, I even found something the other day I liked at Panera Bread. So glory to God. Jesus is good. <laughs> Amen. Oh, uh, I better watch out where I'm going here. Okay, so, so when my, my dad said, you probably kept one of them nickels. And I, I said, well, yes, sir, Daddy, I did. So my dad gave me a sermon, my first sermon on tithing when I was about four years old. And he said, son, we take 10% of everything God gives us, and we give it to God. And so I started tithing. When I got my first paycheck from working on the farm, I was actually 13 years old. I made like 100 $1,300 for the summer, and I, I wrote a $135 check to the Sunday, put it in a Sunday school offering. <laughs> Amen. And you know what? I've tithed ever since, and I'm, my pastor, I got married. When I, Barbara and I got married, we, I was making $800 a month. I was giving $200 a month to the church, and now I had to take on a $300 house payment. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to make it. My pastor said, Lawson, you're a tither and a giver, and you're never going to lack. And you know what? That is the truth. I have never lacked from that day to this. God is so good to me. But my dad gave me my first sermon. when I just, Somebody came, and they gave me a nickel. Praise God. After first service, they said, here, you got your nickel back. Praise God. I'm going to go sow that. <laughs> Who doesn't have an offering? Anybody in here doesn't have an offering today? You want an offering? Don't despise this. Anybody don't have an offering? You want to come get this? Offer, I'll give you a nickel. You can sew it. I'm going to tell you a testimony. I had a lady that used to come here. She was a single mama. And she started by giving two cents in the offering. And then she'd, she'd put her name on it. And she'd put it in an envelope. Hallelujah. Then she'd give five cents. Hallelujah. Somebody give her more offering with that. Hallelujah. And uh, then she'd give five cents, then 10 cents, then a quarter, then a dollar, then $2, then $10, then $25. And she moved away. And, you know, a couple years after she made, this is a single mama. She gave, she sent in a $200 check. I said, man, that is a huge, that's like the, that's like the widow that gave two mites. That was a huge offering. A huge offering. And you know what? God doesn't, he doesn't look at the amounts. 
He looks at the heart and he looks at, you know, he looks not only at the heart, he, he looks at the percentages. Hallelujah. But I started out giving and you know what? We have always been blessed. We have never left a bill unpaid. God has been faithful to me. He has helped me over and over and over again and he continues. Amen. So keep being consistent in giving. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Don't become weary in well-doing. Hebrews chapter 6 actually says this. Turn with me. Hebrews chapter 6. We'll read uh, verse 10 to verse 12. It says this, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed to his name, and you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. He says, God is not going to forget your, your work and your labor, uh, you know, of love. Praise God. Don't become weary in well-doing. You know, David said this in Psalm chapter 27, verse 13. He said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. How many of you are believing God to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? He says, wait, I say, on the Lord. Be of good courage. Amen. You need to wait on the Lord. Lord, just be patient, be consistent, and stay at it. Don't quit. Because good things come to those who stay the course. Hallelujah. Good things come. You know, this, this race of faith, the Bible says run with patience the race that is set before you. This race of faith, it isn't a hundred yard dash. It's more like a marathon. But you just stay at it, praise God. And good things are coming to you. So don't be weary in well-doing. But the third thing that I have is, did you know what? Your seed determines your harvest. And if you don't like the harvest that you're receiving, you know what? Think about the seed that you're sowing. Hallelujah. We get to sow. We get to give. We get to do this. Hallelujah. You know, we started this church 22 years ago. We had almost no people and no money. Did you know what? We have given every, every step of the way. We've given every year between 10% and 27% of the income of this church away to missions and other ministries. And you know what? We have harvest coming. In fact, Amos says this in the last day. He said the plowman is going to overtake the reaper. He said the sower of seed is going to overtake. The, this is Amos 9.13. I might have quoted it wrong. The treader of grapes. In other words, he says there's going to be an increase on harvest. And man, we have harvest coming so fast now. We're just continually sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping. And man, it's awesome to be involved. Praise God in this thing called sowing and reaping. I want to share a couple of different scriptures with you on giving today. I want you to turn with me to Ecclesiastics chapter 11. I'm going to read six verses. We're going to talk about six verses beginning in verse 1. He says, cast your bread on the waters for you will find it after many days. You know what that's saying? Keep sowing. Cast your bread. Hallelujah. Take what God's given you. Throw it on the water. What is the, the water? The water is life-giving ministry. You want to sow seed in the life-giving ministry. He says it's going to come back to you in many days. Praise God. You know, in Deuteronomy 26, 
God told the children of Israel, he said, when you bring your tithe, he said, I want you to go to the place where I put my name and bring your tithe there. Hallelujah. Where does God put his name? Mark 16 gives us a clue in verse 15 to verse 18. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they're going to cast out devils. They're going to speak in new tongues. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They're going to take up serpents. Hallelujah. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Hallelujah. We need to be sowing seed in life-giving ministries. Life-giving ministries that are preaching salvation in the name of Jesus. Deliverance in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Provision and protection in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. So keep sowing. It's going to come back to you. Listen to what he says. Here's some advice on investing in verse 2. Give a portion to seven, also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, even if I felt like God spoke to me, I wouldn't take over 20% of my investments and put them all over 20% and put in one thing. Why? Because you know what? I'm a spirit, I possess a soul, and I live in a body. I'm not 100, I don't hear God 100% of the time, all the time. So he says, give a portion to seven or eight because you don't know what evil is going to be on it. That is good investment advice. Don't just put everything in one deal. Praise God. I've seen some people who thought God spoke to them and have lost nearly everything. Because they just didn't use good sense. That's good sense. How many of you know the Bible gives you some good sense? He goes on, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. If the tree falls toward the south or toward the north, the place where it falls, there will it be. He that observes the wind shall not sow. And he that regards the clouds shall not reap. If all you do is look at the dust storms and the dirt, you're not going to plant seed. And if all you do is look at the storms that are coming, you're not going to receive a harvest. You know, I was talking to some people in southeast of Colorado in the first part of this year. It had been so terrible dry. But you know what? If they didn't go out and sow this spring, they would have missed a great harvest. I just had somebody that returned from there said, man, it is green everywhere. It is beautiful everywhere. He said, you got to keep sowing and keep reaping. Amen. You keep giving and you keep receiving. You never, a farmer never quits sowing. Amen? If you observe the wind, if you look at the famine, you're not going to sow, but you've got to keep sowing. Isaac sowed in the land in the, in the time of famine and received this same year a hundredfold. I've had God use famines, amen, just like God used the famine in the days of Joseph to bless me. So you've got to keep listening to the Spirit of God, but you've got to stay consistent. That's what this is saying. He said, and he says, as you don't know the way of the spirit nor the bones that grow in the womb that is with the child, even so you don't know the works of God who makes us all. In the morning sow thy seed, and the evening withhold not thy hand. Keep sowing, keep reaping, for you do not know whether you will prosper either this or that, whether they both shall be alike good. What's he saying? There is opportunity. 
Amen. There is opportunity. Everybody say this with me. Say, I do not lack ability. I do not lack opportunity. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. And I will never lack for money. I do not lack ability. I do not lack opportunity. I'm a tither. And I'm a giver. And I will never lack for money. Hallelujah. You know what? There is not a shortage of money in this world. There, sometimes there's a challenge getting it from the people that have it to the people that don't, different things. But you can tap in, hallelujah, by your giving, by your believing, and in different ways you can tap in and receive a harvest of the wealth that's already in this earth. Hallelujah. And so keep sowing, amen, and keep reaping. Praise God. Keep giving and keep receiving. Now I have a few more scriptures. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Paul writes the letter of Philippians to the Philippian church. This was a church that had partnered with him. They had partnered with him for years and years. They, and this is really a letter. He, it's a letter of thanksgiving. And he's writing to them with joy. Praise God. Because they had partnered with him from the beginning. They had partnered with him through his ministry. And now at the end, they, they continued to par partner with him. And he says this beginning in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, as he's getting ready to close this letter. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, he says, no man, or, or, or he says, in the beginning of the gospel, I'm going to figure out where I'm at. He says, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So this church started out partnering with Paul. They started out early, and they continued. And he says this in verse 16. He says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once again to my necessity. Not only did they give, but they continued to give. Everybody say, continue to give. See, some people start out giving, but they don't continue to give. We need to continue in this thing called sowing and reaping, giving and receiving, he says then in verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Guess what? You need to give more than I need to receive. Hallelujah. Andrew Womack, when I came here to Colorado Springs, he told me, Lawson, you're going to have to talk more about finances and money. And he said, number one, you're going to have to talk about it because he said, if you're going to do anything significant in Colorado Springs to change the atmosphere to really make a difference, it's going to take some money. And he said, number two, because if you don't teach on it, you are going to limit your people in receiving from God the harvest that God has for them. And I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes it is not popular talking about finances and money, but the Bible has a lot to say about it. And if we don't teach people what the Bible says about it, all they're going to know is what the world says. In fact, we've been built. We had a couple came here for a while and the church they left. The people said, where are you going? They said, we're going over to Karis Christian Church. He said, oh, you're going over to that prosperity church. Well, we're prospering. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that better than saying, well, you're going over to that poverty church? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? I believe it, and I'm receiving it. And I've been receiving for years and years and years. 
And you know, we don't limit God with 10%. Like I said, from the time we started this church till now, we've given between 10 and 27% of the income of this church away every year. Hallelujah. Barbara and I, did you know what? God has blessed us so much. You know what? We've given about 30% of our income away over the last 40 years. I did the math last year. About 30%. We don't limit God to 10%. And you know what? Our net worth is about three times all the money that we've ever made in the last 40 years. I don't know how that works out. Sounds like God. You can't really explain it. Amen. But if you get involved in it, it'll work for you. Because it's principles of the Word of God. And so he says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire the fruit that may abound to your account. He says in verse 18, but I have all. Now, what are most people saying when they're in prison? Paul's in prison. He's writing this letter. Do you know what? We wouldn't have about half the New Testament if Paul wasn't in prison so much. <laughs> most people, if they're in prison, they're saying, I don't belong here. Right? Paul probably thinking that, but he's not saying that. Listen to what he's saying while he's in prison. He's saying, I have all and I bound. I am full. I have received. Listen to this confession, the confession of abundance. There are seven statements of abundance as you go through these scriptures beginning in verse 10 to verse 19. He says, I have all. I abound. I am full. I have received of Epaphroditus. Roditus, the things that were sent from you, and odor. Your, your giving brings a sweet smell to God, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. God is pleased with giving. God likes giving. Hallelujah. Amen. But then he finally says this in verse 19, but my God, this is a promise to givers. This is a promise to sowers. This is a promise to people who are consistent in giving and receiving. But my God, everybody say, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, it's not really about me. It's about Jesus. Now, that's not, that, that scripture, he says, my God shall supply all of your needs Wait just a little bit longer. According to his riches and glory. Have you read the book of Revelation? Have you read about his riches and glory? What's happening with his riches in glory? We're, we're going to a city that's built four squares. Why did, huh? Amen? The foundations of the walls are of sardines and onyx and emerald and... I mean, we think it's a big deal if we get a one-carat emerald. He uses them for the foundations of his city. The walls are of gold. The streets are made of transparent gold. Solomon made wealth so abundant in Israel that they didn't even count the silver. They just piled it in the streets. Wow. That's tremendous wealth. Came from tremendous wisdom that God gave him. Amen. Hallelujah. But he said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So this is a promise to givers. And when you get involved in giving and receiving and you continue, guess what? You're going to reap a harvest. And your harvest is always greater than your seed. Amen. Bless you. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. 
If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.